And I believe the Lord spoke to us last week to press to possess perfection. Uh, press into that perfection uh, of Jesus Christ. And we talked about the second point, whatever. In other words, when, when Satan attacks us with life and tries to make us feel like we're not worthy, we say whatever, forgetting those mistakes we made or things that we've put under the blood and moving forward into the things of God, pressing forward. And then agreeing to disagree is never allowing uh, friction or discord or grieving the Holy Spirit to, to cause progress to stop in the body of Christ. And, and that was the third point. And then not forgetting that this is our home was the fourth point. And then Tim Snyder came in and was talking about get a grip. And both of these are on SoundCloud and, and on the podcast. And thank you, Norma, because for her to pull that off Thursday and Friday with her workload, that was a pretty big thing. So it's out there for you to listen to. Wait till after the service today. I don't want to see any headsets in. You know, it's my turn now. No, I'm kidding you. But, but anyway, I want to read the scripture here today. And I was asking for the Lord to give me a word to spin off of this and to, to press in uh, to what he was trying to say. And, and he gave me four points. And I thought this was so neat because I kept changing these points because I couldn't figure out what he was trying to say. But he finally said, just add power into each point. And I thought, that's silly, but I'll obey the Spirit and not grieve the Spirit. And so the first point today is press to possess the power. Again, we're going to hit that a little bit this week. Then two, we possess the power. Three, bring on the power. And four, demonstrate the power. And so I'm like, okay, God, that's corny, but I'll go with it. And we open the song today for worship. Your power is never in doubt, never in doubt for me. We sang that over and over. Your power, your power is never in doubt, never for me. And then we go into all the promises of God and all the power that he has given us as believer in our song today. Did we realize what we were singing today? We were singing for the power of God to manifest in our life. And he went through all these great things that he wants to do in our lives. And it confirmed what the Lord was trying to say today. Press into that power. We possess the power. Bring on the power and demonstrate the power in your life. And so I was trying to think of where to start and show you how in the Bible that took place. And it's a book of Acts. It's all over. But uh, the Lord woke me with Acts 3, 1 through 10. So we'll read that now. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful. Uh, and he was laid there to give alms entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze. And, and that's where I started struggling, the same as I did the first service. He directed his gaze. Peter locked in on the situation. And I didn't have that in my notes, but the Lord has really hit me with that today, that, that Peter locked in with his gaze, meaning he was aware, he was watching for a move of the Holy Spirit in his life. When we go into Walmart, we need to lock in on people that are reaching out to us, lock in onto them and see how that we can minister to them. They were looking for opportunities, and when they found the opportunities, they locked in, they gazed, they made eye contact, they, they, they thought about the things of God, and God, what's going on? In our, I, I just can imagine, because it happens to me when I allow the Holy Spirit to do it. And when he did, 
he began to minister to them. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the gate beautiful of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We see the power there. We see that Peter and John pressed to possess the power. They recognized that they possessed the power. They brought on the power of God, and they demonstrated the power of God in their lives. And we see it all through the book of Acts. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I believe this is from you today, and it's not of me. And so, Lord, I ask that you take everything of me completely out of the words today, and the people would only hear what you have specifically for them. Father, I ask that we'd obey you, and we'd follow your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Point one, press to possess. Press to possess the power. Last week I talked about, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me, coming out of Philippians 3.12. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me last week as I was coming up here that, hey, like when we look up the word possessed, we think, oh, that means that person is demon-possessed. But the believer is possessed by God, and I can't shake that. The believer is possessed by Jesus. The believer is possessed by the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. We need to press into that and possess the fullness of Him, possess the fullness of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is our goal as believer is to be completely controlled by God. Give Him control, as Abigail sang today. That is our first and our biggest responsibility. So I thought today, again, that we need to go over the Word and, and, and make sure we're taking them right steps uh, uh, of doing what God's called us to do. So how do we possess Jesus? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Through me, the only way to God and the only way to possess the power of God is through Jesus and nothing else. We need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We all probably know that today. The other thing we need to do is we need to believe in Him. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We believe in Him. Most of us have probably taken that step today. But we also confess Him. That's step three. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead... We are saved, for with our heart one believes and is justified, and with our mouth one confesses and is saved. Has you, have you ever told anybody you're a believer? Have you ever told anybody, I'm a child of God? Have you ever told anybody that God's power resides in me? Are you proud of it? Amen. You ever think about that? Now, most of us in this room today are probably saved, but the Lord told me to go over them scriptures because our responsibility is to be gazing in the eyes of people throughout the week and telling them about God, and we should have unbelievers in the house today. And if we don't, we're not doing our job. We should be witnessing to people at work 
and hopefully leading them to Christ at work, making eye contact with him, with them and them, him and her, and, and, and ministering to them and, and bring them into the body of Christ to be ministered to. Every week we should give a salvation call because we're expecting unbelievers in the body of Christ. Do we? Step three or four. And this is probably where a lot of us are, but we need to continue to possess God, continue to run the, the race here. Now, I'm going to get a little bit sloppy on here but, and try to explain this. The Lord has put it on my heart, and, and I've struggled with it, but I think I know what he's trying to say. But the progressive church, the church that wants to pacify people in the area, that, that doesn't want to disturb, doesn't want to do uh, things that maybe disrupt or are called discord as far as saying what they believe about Christ. But they love making disciples. They love multiplication. They hate division. They love love, justice, forgiveness, mercy, understanding each other, uh, uh, hospitality, hope, and joy. They, they want all these things. The progressive church wants that. But I think the church has forgotten some other things that we need to be remembering to possess Christ. And we're forgetting that, that we not only, we need to preach Christ. We need to preach the word. We need to pray. We need to stay in repentance. We need this confession saying, God, you know, hey, I messed up. I confess that, Lord, that I made a mistake. Help me not to do that. Uh, holy living, signs and wonders, the filling of the Holy Spirit, martyrdom, transformation, conversion. And there will be diversions between us and the world. But so many are like the progressive church. They want to ignore the things that I just talked about, which is really a lot of the things that they're doing, that's the result of doing what I just said. The result of preaching the word is what they're after. But they don't want to say the things to get there. The Lord told me to go and continue on through Acts and show you the difference between the progressive church or, 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 or a church that doesn't want to press into the things of God to Peter and John in the book of Acts, chapter 3. They started out prayer. Peter and John were going to a place of prayer right off the bat. You know, they were praying probably three times a day. They were constantly in prayer. When approached with a need, there was a solution, and that solution was Christ. Not money, not worldly solutions, but Christ. The church too many trying times tries to give a worldly solution when they just need Christ. The first thing you should ask somebody, do you know Christ? Uh, a lot of times in my marriage classes, if I don't know the people know Christ, that's the first thing I want to get under the belt. Because if they're starting a marriage without knowing Christ, they're up a creek. Amen. So we got to know Christ and we got to preach Christ. And we need to approach all situations by trying to fit him in. We saw healing and joy. He went walking and leaping and praising God, verse 8. We saw signs and wonders, verse 10. We saw again he preached the word, verse 21, and he spoke and quoted the prophets. We see in verse four or, or chapter 4, verse 2, the people, meaning the priests, the captain, and the temple, the Sadducees, they were greatly annoyed. We worry too much about annoying people with the truth when you speak the truth it's going to annoy the, the people or the unsaved sometimes and as I've told you a hundred times you can say anything you want to say it's how you say it but God will use you to say it 
They were arrested, chapter 4, verse 3. Many of those who heard the word believed, so we had salvation, 4-4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, 4-8. They preached the word again, Acts 4-10, and through the rest of that, most of the chapter. People were astonished, 4-13, that signs and wonders, because these were untrained men, uneducated men. People couldn't deny the power of God, 4-16. You know, I always tell everybody, if, don't argue the word to, with people, share your testimony. If the power of God's in your testimony, they won't be able to argue with it. They won't be able to deny it. But if you don't have the power of God operating in your life, you don't have a testimony. See where I'm at here? Testimonies are powerful. Use them. I got one that's burning, but I don't think I can share it today. It's too personal with somebody. But, but anyway, they were warned to keep quiet, 418. They said, I can't keep quiet, 420. I've seen and heard him. There's no way. They further threatened them, 421. People were praising God to the point they couldn't deal with them, so they released them. They couldn't beat them like they would later on beat them and, and eventually kill all the disciples for Christ. We saw healing in 422. We saw Peter and John go back to prayer to the body to get restored, refreshed. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of our holy Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken and, uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God boldly. That, that should be our church service every week. Is that what we pray for every week? Is that our lives? Is we pray every day, God, give me a great boldness today to speak your word. Stretch out your hand, Holy Spirit, to perform miracles in my life today. And Father, fill me full of your Holy Spirit to accomplish that. Is that our prayer today? Well, that should be our prayer as a church. We should be praying that. Then in Acts 4.32, we see these results. The full numbers of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said to any, any of them that things that are... We start over, and no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as he had need. The Holy Spirit's speaking to me now that if you go on to Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, however you pronounce those names, they greed the Holy Spirit because there's a move of God going on in the body to the point that there was no needy person amongst them and they were playing games with the power of God for their own selfish gain. And they, they died, they were, they were killed because of it. And that goes along with the grieving thing that we talked about earlier. Great move of God. Great things of God going on. And we start using it for our own glory and for our own gain and abusing people and misleading people. You're going to be in the doghouse. But as I was writing this, it popped up on my screen, therefore be imitators of God. And I was like, woohoo! Man, the Lord's speaking to me and that verse of the day come up. 
And I holler at Giselle because I didn't want to get out of my, my little deal here. And I go, what was that verse of the day? I know it's Ephesians, but what was that? And she goes, it wasn't Ephesians, it's Philippians. It wasn't a verse of the day, but that popped up on my screen. And I think it was the Holy Spirit popped it up on my screen. But he said, therefore be imitators of God and as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, sacrificing all to God. Again, God, here I am. I hear your words. I want to be all that you want me to be. Like the apostles, like the early church, instead of being followers of the world, we need to be followers of Jesus Christ. They were confessing him, continuing in repentance, conversion, sanctification, and sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. They were giving it all up for the gospel. We cannot trade our radical gospel for a message of accommodation. We must have open hearts, open minds, and open doors to Christ. Did you notice she sang that today? That was in her song. That's a logo of the Methodist church. But if the Methodist church ever gets to the point where we have open hearts, open mind, and open other things to the world and not Christ, then we're out of order. Two, all believers possess the power. All believers possess the power. Romans 8, 11, the, the, if the spirit power of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It goes on to say, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And so we see this spirit that was demonstrated, this power that is demonstrated through Peter and John. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have is Jesus Christ. And guys, all of us have that power that's in us. And it's neat that he used them. They were fishermen. And if you want to say I'm not good enough, fishermen were on the lowest of the pole back in the day. And they were the least of all. And God used the power through them. God will use the power through anybody that makes themselves available. We got to make ourselves available and be following his will in his way. We at Oakton will be experiencing the same things Peter and John experienced in Acts 3 and 4 when we possess, possessed Christ in all things. So let's continue to step out. Like David said, I think there's been a move of the spirit in the body and we're stepping out. Man, this word study thing we're doing together, guys, it's already done double what I was expecting it to do. Man, everybody's buying Bibles up. They're getting on version. We got chat rooms on version. We got chat rooms over here. Uh, a Sunday school teacher come up and said, Pastor, I want to do what you was talking about Sunday. I want to have a class discussing what we talked about during the week. or read during. Man, it's exploding, this word thing. But the diff- deal is God told me to do it. But you know the first thing that came to my mind? Them Bibles are going to cost six or $800 to do it. You know that hadn't even been an issue. You guys have paid it more back. When we do the things of God, we don't have to worry about anything else. But, man, I'm hearing about families reading their word together. Uh, me and Giselle and, and, and Karen and Mary read the word together last Monday to kick it off. We couldn't every day. But we're seeing that unity in the word of God. But the Lord is with us. Press in. Point three, bring out the power. 
The early church devoted themselves to prayer, word, baptism, the Holy Spirit, and fellowship. They brought the power out. We bring the power out by doing those simple things. It, it almost feels bad when somebody comes up to me with all these great big problems. And all I know to do is say, let's pray to Jesus about it. They're wanting this big psychological thing. And I said, in Jesus' name. Because that's all that matters. That's the power that's in us. But, but in Acts 2.42 says, and they devoted... Devoted means committed to, given to, uh, or directly towards something. And then parentheses, time, money, and effort. So devoted means we're going to be committed to giving and directing our time, our monies, and efforts towards something. Well, the devotion that the disciples in the early church gave them their time, their money, and their effort towards was the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had everything in common. So again, word, prayer, fellowship, uh, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, breaking bread together. Man, you, you put that combination together, you're going to have this great awe come over the body. So what we're doing, we keep doing it, and we're not going to be able to stop it. We keep doing the things that we're doing. It's not going to stop. It's going to explode up in us. So as I look at these things, the prayer, the early church was devoted to prayer together with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers in Acts 1.14. Jesus said, you pray until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You pray until you receive from God or he tells you to shut up. You get in there. You pray. Acts 3.1, Peter and John were on their way to pray. Acts 2.42, they were devoted to prayer. We need to be devoted to prayer the same. Where there is much prayer, there is much activity of the Holy Spirit. And where there is much activity of the Holy Spirit, there is much prayer. Life in the Spirit commentary said that. Do we pray for the power in our life? Do we pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Again, as we read Acts 4, 29 through 31, when they were being opposed. Father, speak your word through us with great boldness. Lord, we pray for signs and wonders to be performed. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and were given the word of boldness. We need to step in and pray for these things. 10,000 souls, not a big goal when we're praying and we're praying for the lost and we're praying for those. Whenever I was writing this, the Holy Spirit hit me and, and, and it always starts with Joel when the Holy Spirit talks to me. He just must be an anointed guy, you know. But, but if you don't like Joel or the praise team, pray for him. If you don't like me, pray for me. If you don't like Sunday school, youth, Kidman, etc., what we should be doing is praying. Because there's unity in the body, they were devoted to prayer. And I believe that's what the Lord was showing me here. They had discord and things going on just like we do, but they covered it in prayer and not covered it in gossip. We like to cover things in gossip instead of covering them in prayer. And we need not do that. So we began to cover them in prayer and say, Father, Pour your Holy Spirit out on Pastor Kent. Father, let signs and wonders go through him. Father, pour your Holy Spirit out on the mission team. 
Father, let signs and wonders come to them. Let them speak the word of God boldly. You with me here? Devoted to. Devoted to the word. Tim Snyder, Wednesday night, get a grip. We will never get a grip on life until we get a grip on the words, what he said Wednesday night. We got to let go and trust God's word. We have to be teachable. And, and I'm going to share now some things he shared that night. But in the fivefold ministries, he talked about how the thumb was the apostle. And that thumb can relate to the prophet. The prophet points and it gives direction in a godly way. The evangelist, he can connect with the evangelist. He can connect with the pastor. He can connect with the teacher. But as we go through these, the evangelist again reaches the furthest. He's a finder of the soul, lost souls. He's reaching out. The pastor is the ring finger, and there's an artery in that that is, goes directly to the heart. And I don't understand all this. Go listen to the tape. Listen to, to the CD. But there's an artery in there connected to the heart. The pastor is connected to the heart of God. But there's a teacher, and it's a pinky. But he was talking about how that has an extra muscle right here that the other fingers don't have. And, and it has extra gripping power. And he was saying, and use the example, how many of you can swing a hammer without your pinky? And I was going to bring a hammer in today and have some of you try it. You know, it's easy to swing a hammer. Most of you will choke up on a hammer anyway because you can't handle it. Uh, if you hit a hammer right, you should be on the end of the handle. Most people aren't on the end of the handle. Take away the pinky, you won't be for sure. If you're not teachable, then God can't minister to us. If God gives us his word and we're not teachable, then we can't be effective for him. And we heard that through the tongue interpretation today, that, that, that you've heard these words, now we got to obey. That's being teachable. And so the Lord's trying to tell us that I'm speaking to you. Now, please do what I say. But Jacob, he shared him as an example of grabbing a hold of the word. And you can read about it in Genesis 32, 24 through 28. But Jacob heard a word from the Lord and it was he would be blessed. And he wasn't receiving that blessing like he wanted to and like God showed him. But God's word had said it. So he wrestled with this, I believe it was Christ. But the Bible says some angels and some say a man, but he wrestled with them all night for that blessing. And at daybreak, the, this person leans over and says, hey, it's daybreak, let go of me. Because he had a death grip on him, let go of me. And Jacob says, not till you bless me. So he hit his hip and, and messed his hip up. And, and, and Jacob's going around now dragging, hanging on to the word that he got, hanging on to the things of God that he heard about. And the, and the person said to him, let go of me, it's dawn. And he said, then bless me. And he said, then he gave him the name Jacob, Israel. Israel means uh, um, anointed by God or leader of, man, or of God. And, and I should have looked that up. But, but, but he received the, the word and the blessing because he held on. He obeyed and he held that grip tight. Oakton, we must be devoted to the word get a grip on it as a body and I think we're doing that devoted to fellowship fellowship is open healing redeeming fellowship based upon a common life together in Christ and the Holy Spirit between and among believers and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together does it have it of some but encouraging one another 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Devoted to the Holy Spirit, seeking the infilling, Acts 1.8. Seeking the saturation of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk or do not drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God's huge draws of Him. God wants us to draw huge Huge infillings of the Spirit going in, God, fill me full, fill me full, fill me full. But we must be devoted to these things. Last week, and I'm going to be wrapping things up here, but but I sat up here and, and the Lord spoke to me this morning and reminded me of what I said last week. But I said, stood up here and I said that I do a lot of exercising and look at what I got. And and no matter how much exercise the heavier I get and the fatter I get. And, and he reminded me of that this morning. Then he said, you know, you do exercise, but maybe if you'd push away from the table, it wouldn't be so hard. And I was like, whoa, Lord. So, but it's truth. You know, I'm exercising hard, but I'm eating a lot too. And I still got the same problem. So now when I run, it hurts, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, because I'm 240, and I used to be 190, and it hurts. And so, I, oh, man, I worked out today, and it hurts so bad. Well, push away from the table. And, and what I believe the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me is many of us, on, we're praying, and we're spending a lot of time praying, but we're not obeying the word. So we're not effective. Or maybe we're praying and we're reading the word, but we're not in any fellowship to grow together as brothers and sisters. So we're not healthy. Or maybe, you know, we're, we're, we're doing prayer and we're doing word and we're doing fellowship, but we refuse to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's not biblical when it's more biblical than anything else. So we're not healthy. And I believe the Spirit spoke that to me as clear as I see you today. That we know, I know that if, if I eat right and exercise, I'll lose weight because I've done it before. 246 down to 190 in about four months. Because I ate right and I worked out. I know I can do it. And I'm telling you today that, that, that I know I can be healthy physically, but also know that I can be healthy spiritually when I pray, read the word, in fellowship, and am filled with the Holy Spirit and breaking bread with my brothers and sisters. I know that I'll be spiritually healthy. So if you're not healthy today, we're neglecting one of those things. You following me? And I challenge you, let's physically and spiritually get healthy this year. Let's do these five things spiritually and, and work on the other. That way you don't have to wear sweaters. But demonstrate the power. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I've done this and preached this before. The Spirit of the Lord is on you, the believer, because he has anointed you, the believer, to proclaim the good news. He has sent you, the believer, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover of sight to the blind. He has sent you, the believer, at liber- to set those at liberty that are oppressed 
to proclaim the year of the Lord. And what I'm trying to say there is, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we choose Jesus as Lord and we begin to, to be like him, we become his witnesses. And we see that in eight that he said that you pray that you receive the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, which is home, Judea, which is the surrounding area, and Samaria, which is the world. That's what God has called us to do, that we're in prayer, that we can be witnesses at home, in our communities, and across the world. That anointing Jesus had, he gives to us to accomplish. That power that Jesus has, he's given to you to accomplish. Carson, you and Joel are anointed and appointed to go to Albania. And and that's what I use most of the time when devil's attacking me about coming up here. And I feel scared and, and not worthy and all that. You've been anointed and appointed to do that. Believers, you've been anointed and appointed to proclaim the word of God. The power is in you. And, and we have the power for deliverance, healing, and show the favor that people have to bring encouragement and instruction to those in the world. Press to possess the power. You possess the power. Bring on the power and demonstrate it in your life. Again, bring it on by prayer, word, fellowship, Holy Spirit, and communion. And what's funny is this last thing I wrote in my notes, I always put extras. The Lord will speak to me things during the week and I put extra. This made it to the extra. But then the Lord checked me on this morning. This is what started everything. The Lord spoke to me and said, most Christians are miserable and unsatisfied because they don't possess the power. They're just not using it. We are not fulfilled and happy if we're believers and we're not doing those things. You'll be miserable. When God's put an anointing on your life and a calling on your life, you're going to be miserable until you're doing it. And I'll close with this. As I worked at Freeman... Man, at first I loved it because I got to, I'd been in Bible college and I was making good money and, and, and I got to minister to lots of people and, and all this was so good and, and it was great. But after so many years, uh, I started wanting to be a pastor even more. And, and when we had a move of God here on Sundays, uh, man, I would literally cry all the way to work on Mondays because I wanted to be a pastor. And the Lord kept saying, I'm training you, I'm training you. But my point is, is, I was happy for that season, and he took me through that season, and then he started taking me to another season. That anointing's changed, and I began to desire that other season. He kept saying, no, you're called here. This is your church here for now, but there will be a time. And so we need to be patient. We need to be praying in the Word, in fellowship, talking with brothers and sisters about it, and and taking communion and, and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit to work through these things. But I can look at stages in my life that, that started out with Jerry and Karen for seven years, then Bible College for two years, then Freeman's for 13 years, and then Oakton for 19 years. God it was preparing me and taking me through the stages of his anointing and, and what he had for me. And I'm sure I was slow at times, I was fast at other times, but, but God was taking me there, and I was miserable until I got to where he wanted me to be. God loves you, as the word said today. So much he sent his son for you. But it tears a father apart when they see their sons serving other gods. 
When we see our children chasing things they shouldn't be chasing, it destroys us as mothers and fathers. That's the way God is. He wants all of you. He wants to be in fellowship with you. And so the altar call today is whatever God's dealt with you about. God's ministered to you about something today. And I just ask that you're obedient to whatever that is. And, and I always challenge you to come to the altars because I think it's an act of faith. And we don't want people, oh, they're going to the altar. I wonder what's going on in their lives. So that's not even going on half the time. But when we do it, it's a step of faith. I remember my knees knocking when I went up for salvation and literally felt like I had to crawl to the altar. And I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think I was crawling because of the fear and anxiety that was attacking me for doing it. But once I hit them altars, it broke. And I learned to run to the altars because it's an act of submission. And we raise our hands to God. We're not up here showing off. It's an act of submission. But also when our hands are up, it's a funnel allowing God to come in saying, I'm all yours. Amen? Amen. So whatever God's speaking to you today, if you're not saved, believe. Believe. That's the first thing. But God's challenging us to possess all of him. And I think the word today is God's spoken some big words lately. And he wants us to be obedient to him. And if we're not, it's going to grieve him because we prayed for this. And now he's doing it. Honor him.